Hi everyone and welcome to episode 54 of SAMA. SAMA is a program where we invite an expert to talk about the area of expertise. Now this week we are delighted to welcome back with us Dr. William Wong. Um, he was before talking about inflammation and chronic diseases. Today um, we're talking about Parkinson's, uterine fibroids, chronic fatigue and sexual health. And somehow he tells me they're interlinked. So he's going to tell us how we can resolve all those issues. Now, um, Dr. William Wong, he is a Texas Complementary and Alternative Medical Association professional member and World Sports Medicine Hall of Fame member. He is a classical naturopath, a PhD, exercise physiologist, certified athletic trainer, certified sports medicine trainer, old right Catholic priest, health fitness consultant, and an all-round really nice guy. He has more than 45 years of professional experience in natural health as applied to sports medicine and rehabilitation. He's been studying SET techniques in both the U.S. and Germany. Speaking of which, we're going to America next week. We'll more about that soon. Um, Dr. Wu, Dr. Wong is widely acknowledged as one of the most foremost experts in the field of systemic enzyme therapy. And this work in understanding the mechanism of action is the mainstay of all system enzyme work around the world today. In today's interview, we'll be covering how systemic enzymes help Parkinson's disease how most women with uterine fibroids can get rid of the fibroids without surgery. Isn't that marvellous? How to overcome chronic fatigue, which of course many of us have, and how men can recover fully sexual function after the age of 45 and 50. So welcome aboard, William. It's so good to have you back with us again today. Thank you for inviting me back. Thank you. Now, um, how can so many different conditions be linked together? How can there be a, a similar cause for those conditions? The underlying cause for Parkinson's is inflammation. We know that the, the, the lower brain, the substantia nigra, which is right behind your nose, on the floor of the brain, sitting right on the sphenoids here, become inflamed over time. I want you to think of, of, of the body as a machine. And I'm giving Descartes a bit more, a bit more prominence here than I really should regard him. <laughs> but, you know, uh, if you run a machine constantly, yes. without turning it off every now and then, yes. it gets hot. Absolutely. Same thing with the human body. So our brains are constantly working, our, our, our heart's constantly working, the kidneys are constantly working, the liver is constantly working. If your heart stopped to take a rest, you'd be dead. Okay. You know, when your bicep gets, gets tired, full of lactic acid, what do you do? You rest it. You stop working it. Your heart can't do that, your liver can't do that, your brain can't do that. No. So what happens over time is the inflammation begins to build up. The heat just begins to build up. Chronic inflammation, even low-level chronic inflammation, creates fibrosis. We know now there was a, a great study done, I think it was at uh, University of Adelaide, where they found amyloid deposits in the substantia nigra of Parkinson's patients. 
Now, an amyloid deposit is a fibrosis deposit. The same deposits we see short-circuiting Alzheimer's patients, and we know that inflammation is involved with Alzheimer's. So here we have the same causative thing. I'll call it a thing right now. I can't think of anything better to call it than a thing. We have the same causative thing creating the same conditions in both of those brain ailments. Yes. Likewise, in uterine fibroids, you've got an excess of estrogen and an inflammatory condition creating a fibrosis condition. Now, there are several different types of uterine fibroids. They're the ones that look, look like grapes called pendunculated. There are uterine fibroids that grow into the uterine wall. There are various types of uterine fibroids. But the same root cause is there. It's inflammation, and then estrogen just sparks it and makes it worse. Okay. With uh, the, the endometriosis, which is a hardening of the womb, Endometriosis can spread throughout the entire body, into the lungs, even get into the brain. Wow. And inflammation, estrogen, fibrosis. Okay. When we have this, this, this foundation of inflammation, that's the first thing we need to tackle. Then we need to tackle all the other sublayers. Too much estrogen not only causes all of the women's fibrosis diseases, but it causes male sexual dysfunction as well. So here we have the second causative function of all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. It all works in together. Right. That's fascinating. So uh, and that begs the question, why, are people, why is there an excess of estrogen? Estrogen is nature's way of getting rid of us. Estrogen causes fibrosis, blood clots, inflammation. It is, it is uh, planned obsolescence when we get to the point where we should no longer be reproducing or can no longer reproduce, nature has no use for us. We're supposed to just leave. We're supposed to get off the planet and make room for everybody else. So after the age of 40, 45, most men have more estrogen in them, make more estrogen than their wives have. Their wives are going into premenopause and menopause, so their estrogen is lower, but estrogen is all they're making they're not making progesterone anymore because they don't have to ovulate and they don't have to maintain a pregnancy. The main function for progesterone is to grow the baby. Without progesterone, there is no baby growth. Wow, okay. Uh, you, you don't need testosterone. Though the woman doesn't need testosterone any, anymore. She doesn't have to be horny, randy, as, as the Brits say. So she doesn't have to have sexual desire because she's not making babies anymore. Hmm. So there goes the testosterone. So you have no progesterone, you have no testosterone. Dopamine goes down because the dopamine is the, the hormone of desire and lust. You have an increase in prolactin, which started with the first child and never came down. Prolactin is the hormone that, yes, gives breast milk, but it's also the hormone that makes women go, Don't touch me! Get away from me! I don't want any sex! Okay. <laughs> so, between the combination of, of, of no testosterone, no dopamine, and high, high, high prolactin, you, you made my heart skip a beat there. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. 
Well, I didn't think of this this way. Like, I mean, you, you've you've passed your reproductive years. You've you've made you've you've had the offspring, and then and then you've got no use anymore. It's it's kind right. of a sad outlook, isn't it? I think you're more of a positive person than that. It's 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 the way nature built us. If you think back to the Paleolithic days, we rarely lived past 40, 45. I mean, if you were 40, 45, you probably look 70 or 80 now. And you had lived a really long life chasing saber-toothed tigers and deer and stuff to, to eat. You know, <laughs> um, even back just 100 years ago, the average life expectancy in the Western world was only 50, 55. Yeah. And most people died of infection. Right, so, right. You know, uh, we, well, our successes in getting rid of infection, in increasing longevity, in, 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 in uh, treating trauma, many people die just from trauma, uh, have, have made it so that other systems have to kick in to get us off the planet. <laughs> well, we've got to fight those other systems then, don't we? Oh, gosh, yes. Tooth and nail. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing a guy wants is too much estrogen because it makes you lose your hair, it swells up your prostate. Everyone blames dihydrotestosterone for a swollen mm. prostate mm. And, and, and for hair loss. And yes, dihydrotestosterone is involved. Okay. But I can take an 18-year-old, we can measure his hormones. You won't find any DHT in his hormones. You'll just find testosterone. Okay? He's pumped full of it. He's, you know, all randy and whatever else. You take a man 40, 45, 50. He's got more estrogen in him than his wife does, but he's got a lot of DHT. He's not a poster boy for beach, you know, beach boy muscles. He's got a pot belly by then. His legs are getting skinny and scrawny. He's, you know, his, his sexual abilities, yeah, on the way. Doesn't wake up with morning wood anymore. You know, the way, matter of fact, we make 70% of our hormones between 2 and 4 a.m. We make 30% of our hormones between 2 and 4 p.m. When a man does no, when a man no longer wakes up with a morning erection, he stopped making testosterone, the major portion of testosterone. If you're not thinking sexy thoughts sometime after lunch, then you're not getting your second release of testosterone, which means your testosterone levels are really low. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, this is one of those little curves we do quite often in our conversations. Actually, last time I remember we talked about saber-toothed tigers as well being chased. Now, uh, <laughs> we did, we did, we did. So let's think. So what can we do to sort of balance hormone levels? What, what is the ideal? Is it, is it better then to, um, to remove the excess um, oxygen somehow? Is this Well, we have to keep ourselves from making it. Yes. There are herbal ways of doing that, which Chinese are very good at. Okay. There are also uh, medicinal ways of doing that, some of which are very good and some of which are not. For example, Finiscar, Propecia, Abodart the most common uh, aromatase-inhibiting medications used to prevent baldness and to, uh, to fight swollen prostates have a really bad side effect in about 20, 30% of those who use it. Only 30%. <laughs> it permanently kills sexual function for the rest of your life. You can stop taking the drug and your pecker will still never work again. Ever. Except to pass water. Okay, this is... Um, can you give the name of that drug again? So Avondart, Finiscar, Propecia. And there are sub-names. There are different names. 
generically. Okay. okay. For, for those. But the only safe aromatase inhibiting drug, the only safe one is, oh gosh, having a senior moment, hold, hold on a second, and astrazole. Okay. And astrazole. That's the generic name. So it has no side effects. It's, it's, the matter of fact, it's, it's hardly anyone has any side effects on an astrazole. Lots of folks are using tamoxifen for uh, aromatase inhibition because they're using tamoxifen as an anti-estrogen with uh, women breast cancer survivors. The problem with that is, is that tamoxifen has the habit of creating, it, protecting the breast from getting cancer again, but it has a habit of causing uterine cancer in women. Now, embryologically, a prostate is a uterus. When you're just a few weeks old in the womb, and you're, dif you're not yet sexually differentiated, the same embryologic tissues that grow to become a uterus in a woman are the same embryologic tissues that go to become the prostate in the man. Okay. So part of the thing with, with, with uh, estrogen dominance is that when the man gets too much estrogen, your prostate wants to become a uterus, so it starts growing. It, your prostate thinks it's, it's a uterus. It's like the guy who thinks he's a girl. Okay? Yeah. So the, 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 that's, that, that swelling is natural to the tissue because the hormones signal the tissue to be a certain thing. Right. If we can control, we can bring down, uh, oh wait, no, my, my, my point about the, the tamoxifen was, if it can cause uterine cancer in women, it can cause prostate cancer in men. Okay. Because what happens with one will happen with the other. So arimidex and astrazole is the only safe aromatase inhibitor drug that can be used to lower our own production of estrogen. We're the source of our, most of our own estrogen. If you're not eating soy, if you're not eating flax, if you're not mainly on a grain diet, then we make most of our estrogen. If you're like the Japanese, where they get what, 30 or 40% of their protein intake from soy, the Japanese birth rate has gotten to the point where in 100 years there won't be any Japanese. I'm Chinese, I'm perfectly glad not to have any Japanese around. It's, it's, it's their karma to not wow. be here anymore. But besides that, uh, yeah. that's what's happening because they are uh, the, the, the highest food source of estrogen is flax. Second highest food source of estrogen is soy. There is enough soy, for example, in a, 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 a baby bottle of, of, of soy infant formula. Depending on the brand, there's either three to five or five to eight birth control pills worth of estrogen in that one bottle. No wonder we have so many confused kids who don't know what their sexuality is. Because you feed a boy this four to six times a day at a time when his anterior pituitary is supposed to be bathing in testosterone. Any male infant between the ages of three months to three years has as much testosterone floating around as an 18-year-old teenager. You remember how you... Your testosterone was flying back when you were 18. So if we suppress that testosterone with all this uh, uh, estrogen from the soy formulas, 
all of a sudden, you don't have the development of this little tiny thing that's the size of a grain of sand that tells a boy that he's a guy. Mm. Dr. Lyndon Smith, who was a world-famous pediatrician, had a gay son who died of HIV, and he wanted to find out if there was something particular to gay men that caused them to be gay. He did autopsies on 3,000 gay men, and the only difference he found was that they were lacking that little tiny grain of sand part of the anterior pituitary that told the guy that he's a guy. And in the main, most of those men had been soy-fed infants. Soy formula started here in the States back in 73. The first wave of HIV victims happened between the mid to late 80s going into the 90s. And that's when Dr. Smith did most of his work. But again, uh, to control estrogen, we need to control our own making and control our dietary intake of it. Of the herbs that control estrogen, like stinging nettles, pygium, uh, there are a few others I'm going to not remember right, right now. If we use them in pharmaceutical grade extracts, like a 20 to 1 extract or a 60 to 1 extract, if you can get them that strong, then we don't have to take tablespoons of the stuff. We can take capsules full of the stuff and they will work very well at controlling our own estrogen production. Okay, it surprised me that you said that flaxseed oil um, contains... The highest level... Flax has three times more estrogen than, than, than soy does. If you go to drwong.us, click on the health articles section, click on the archive, and find an article called Phytoestrogen Food Sources. Phytoestrogen Food Sources. That list of foods came from a Canadian natural oncology journal. I didn't make it up. Mm. And these are the foods that cancer patients are told to stay away from so they don't spark the cancers again. 97% of cancers are created by estrogen and driven in their growth by estrogen. 97%. 97% of cancers. Now, um, just a quick reminder for our viewers that are both live on Facebook and who have registered on SAMA, uh, please feel free to send in your messages. The messages on Facebook will be forwarded to me um, by Sam, and I'll get the questions directly. Because a lot of the things that we're discussing now, people will be suffering from these conditions. They may be wanting to know more details, more specifics. Um, this is solid gold information. You're saying now that estrogen is 90% is involved in 97% in the cases of cancer. That's like that's incredible. It's, yep. it's it's virtually all cancers. You're saying yes, and you don't hear about that because of the liability. The medical system in the Western world is culpable for creating a good many of those cancers by birth control pills. By uh. uh estrogen replacement therapy. Estrogen has been the only female hormone that Western medicine has dealt with for the last 40, almost 60 years, doling it out like lollipops and candy. Mm -hmm. And give you an example. There was a study done, I believe in the UK, where these two women physicians did a study on breast cancer. And they turned 
they did a Bill Clinton job of spinning things on their heads. They found that most breast cancer women have a huge number of empty progesterone receptors. So they spun things around and they said, well, then progesterone has to be involved with breast cancer because here are all these empty progesterone receptors. Okay, number one, on the flip side of any estrogen receptor is a progesterone receptor, just like a coin. Okay. okay? Hmm. It takes 200 to 300 units of progesterone, 200 to 300, to balance one single unit of estrogen. So, since the progesterone receptors were empty, there couldn't have been any involvement of progesterone in the breast cancer because there was no progesterone. Meanwhile, on the flip side, all those estrogen receptors were full, which is a part of the study that they kind of glossed over really fast. So, they tried to make it seem like progesterone was somehow involved with, with breast cancer. And to this day, they're, they're, they, they, what do they call it? Breast, uh, progesterone suspicious, you know, breast cancer, whatever, when it's actually estrogen. If progesterone were involved with cancers, all pregnant women would get cancers. Pregnant women have 486% higher progesterone levels than normal because progesterone grows the baby. The whole reason for miscarriage is you don't have enough progesterone. Gosh. If progesterone were involved with cancers, then we'd see a spike in cancer in pregnant women. We actually see the reverse. Pregnant women don't get cancer. It's extremely rare for a pregnant woman, a, a pregnant woman to get cancer. And when she does, she's so estrogen dominant, she's just on the verge of miscarriage. Estrogen causes miscarriages. Estrogen causes premature births. Estrogen is what sparks the birth process. The birth process is a late-term abortion, basically. The body's getting rid of the baby, but it's time to get rid of the baby by the end of third trimester. So the progesterone levels go plummet down, the estrogen levels go up, and that's the reason for postpartum depression. Because the other thing that estrogen causes, besides weight gain, besides getting fat, besides getting grumpy and mood swings, is it causes an extremely deep, seated soul deep depression women want to kill themselves sometimes they're so depressed and the prolactin just makes it worse because prolactin also increases depression in the mind so the two things that are necessary for giving birth are also the things that cause the postpartum depression we can treat women with postpartum depression using progesterone and the herbs that increase dopamine and in less than two weeks they're not postpartum depressed anymore, and they're happy. A woman in second trimester, when her progesterone level is at 486% higher than normal, can't get depressed. There's no way you can depress that gal. You can blow up half the world. She wouldn't care because her progesterone is so high. She is so happy to be pregnant. She's glowing. That's when women have that beautiful pregnancy glow. God, I love watching that. It's just, it's, women just glow like they're golden light. If you know, it, if you can see auras, this is when their aura is the most beautiful, is second trimester, because the progesterone levels are so high. Okay, now you're a positive person, William. You're going to give, you're going to give me right now the answers, aren't you? You're going to say what we, 
what you're going to tell me in very simple terms how when a woman gets pregnant, what sort of food she can have, and other other people that may have say uterine fibroids or other conditions to lower the oestrogen naturally. We have to go back to almost a Paleolithic diet. I'll preface what I'm about to say by giving you the example. Most women in the bean-eating countries of Latin America, and I'm including my Cuban side in this, uterine fibroids, endometriosis, and ovarian cysts are dirt common amongst those women. Just about all the gals get it. One of the most common women's ailments in Latin America because of the beans. The red beans have almost as much estrogen as the uh, 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 soy does, aside from being toxic as hell, you know, unless you cook them right. <laughs> the black beans are as rich in estrogen as, as uh, soy is. So you've got the, the, these, these countries where eating beans is the primary source of, of, of protein, you know, beans and rice combine all the uh, amino acids together to, mm. to make a more complete amino acid. Mm. And yes, they have to do that because they're in the main fairly, fairly poor. They have to survive somehow. But uterine fibroids amongst Latin, Latin American women is a very common ailment because of the estrogen. So if we can lower our own intake of estrogen, here's the primary rule. If it's a seed, if it's a pea, if it's a pod, if it's a bean, it is a mini uterus and therefore estrogenic. That basically eliminates all the protein sources for vegetarians. Boom. Mm. Think about it. I mean, you know, uh, which is also why you see a much lower birth rate amongst vegetarians than you do amongst the average population. Wow. They're basically creating their own infertility. If we go back to a more paleolithic diet, and I'm, uh, you know, all diets turn into religions. I'm not advocating a diet here. I'm not advocating vegetarianism or paleolithic diet or the, or the, or the eat to win, God, no, not, not the freaking eat to win. That's what caused 70% of the, of the diabetes we, we have now and everything else. High, high carbs. I hate the high, oh, damn high carb diet. Uh, I'm not advocating diets because they all turn into religions. And their adherents become this, these, 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 these zealotous, you know, religious workers. Our diet is perfect. Mm. I'd love to put all the different types of vegetarians together in a room and let them fight it out. They'll kill each other. You know, my guru says this and my, my, my teacher says that. My, oh, all right, I'll go have my hamburger. You know, my idea of a salad is a, is a, is a, is a, 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 a sprig of a, of a, of a parsley on my prime rib. But we need to get a diet that is low on the grains, low on the beans, low on the peas, low on the, uh, on the pods. And then we need to put in whole proteins, milk, eggs, and meat. And that's the way to build healthiest, the healthiest, strongest babies you, you can get um, in the main. The largest, strongest babies are amongst milk drinkers and meat eaters. And if you take a look at the, the birth weight, which we, 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 we know is a very important thing mm. to, be able to, to figure out the health of a child initially, birth weight and the, the APGAR scores, then 
we see the highest amount of birth weight, the highest muscle mass, the largest brains amongst the, 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 the especially the milk drinking mothers and the meat eating mothers, but the milk, egg and meat eating mothers have the highest uh, uh, birth weights and the, the, the best APGAR scores in, 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 the, in their infants. Gosh. And I, I, I don't mean to, to stop on anyone's diet or anyone's beliefs. This is just actually the way it is. Mm -hmm. Vegetarians are basically eating themselves into infertility and as the Japanese are eating themselves into non-existence. Hmm. Well, I guess if you're vegetarian, but you eat eggs, eggs would be quite a healthy source, wouldn't they? For egg, egg, eggs would be healthy. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm, I I have a herd of milk goats. I love goats. They're cutest animals around. Baby goats are cuter than puppies. I have puppies too. <laughs> but uh, you know, our milk goats are for milk. Yes. Goat's milk is the strongest food on the planet. Is it really? In the Middle East and in the Central Caucasus, mm. when you have a very young sick person, a very old sick person, the main food you give them is goat's milk. Goat's yogurt, goat's cheese, goat's whatever. whatever. Before the vegetarians started spinning, again, this, this Bill Clinton spinning type of, of in, in information about the Hunzas, it was widely known that the Hunzas' primary uh, uh, food was dairy from their goats. So Dan and Yogurt did a, 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 a series of commercials here in the States 40, 50 years ago on the Juntas and how healthy they were and how they only ate yogurt. Yeah, but they didn't eat your yogurt. They, ate, they made their own stuff from the goat's milk. Goat's milk is the single healthiest thing you can eat, and when a, a, a woman can't breastfeed, then what she should find is goat's milk to feed her, her babies. Here in the States, goat's milk is available in just about every supermarket. It's usually sitting next, next to the soy milk in the, in the, uh, in the uh, refrigerator aisle. <laughs> Gosh, okay. Wow. So, this, this sort of absorbing what you, all you've told me, <laughs> It's okay. Uh, it's We've not, gone far afield from Parkinson's. <laughs> but that's right. I wanted to ask you if aren't eggs also a baby embryo? Like you're yes, they're basically liquid chickens. Right. So they. But they're not a mini uterus. They've already well, sprouted. Well, they are, aren't they? Well, they've got that. They've got their placenta and the, and the nutrient sac. But they're not estrogenic. Because if they were estrogenic, they wouldn't, they wouldn't develop. To develop, you need progesterone, not estrogen. Okay. Okay. So if I you take those seeds and you sprout them, okay, take your seeds and sprout them, they'll have less estrogen. Okay. Because it's been used in the sprouting process. Wow. <clears throat> The um the population the, the population of vegetarians is rising all the time. Uh, quite often, the reason behind them turning to vegetarian is because they not so much the health side, but they don't want to take a life, and it's the life of an animal. Understandable. Yes. And um, as everyone knows, that an animal's life is as valuable as a, as a person's life. 
So what would the answer be if, if you were in that awkward position? Milk and eggs. Milk and eggs. Milk and eggs. Okay. There are a few vegetarians that I, that I have, have known and have been friends with, and they were strength trainees. They were, they were strength athletes. They were power lifters and bodybuilders and, and, and martial artists. And they had to, to work that, that conundrum. Yes. Oddly enough, Hitler was a lifelong vegetarian. Folks don't give him credit. He would not see an animal die to keep him alive. So that's, um... he, 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 that's, that's the reason why he was smaller than all the rest of the Germans. He, he was, what, 5'5", five, 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 was the average German height back then was almost six feet tall. Uh, but the, the, the people who, who don't want to kill animals yet want the high-quality proteins that build big, strong bodies should do what the Hindus do. In India, they eat a lot of eggs and they drink a lot of, a lot of milk. Milk is available everywhere. What I didn't know when I lectured in India was that the stuff came out hot because they pasteurize it on the spot. So I went up to this, 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 this big, I forget the, the name for uh, those, those big Russian teapots. It was filled with milk and I poured some in my, in my glass and I brought it up to my lips and it was boiling. Oh my God. Uh, but the, 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 they make batters with the eggs and with the milk and they put it over things that look like, to, to my mind, tortillas. <laughs> the, only, the only thing I can compare it to is, is a Mexican to, tortilla, and there's a name for that. In their, in their uh, 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 many of their recipes, they combine eggs and milk together in a, in a, in a, in a kind of a, a sauce to put over whatever else. You're, you're eating, and that's how they get around the not, not, not eating the meat. They do have their very high sources of the very high level sources of, of, of proteins and nutrients. I've had a question come in from Charlotte. Um, Char uh, sorry, Colette. Colette is, um, now this is, um, she's wondering about. Um, Parkinson's disease. Um, I don't want to talk about the specifics because the question does go into specifics, but the general question is saying that the 73-year-old appears to have developed Parkinson's disease. She's afraid of the medical profession and refuses to have a diagnosis. Uh, let's see, the symptoms are very pronounced tremor in the both upper limbs, mouth tremor, stooping and anxiety. Um, her partner died in last November and she's taking it very badly and that may be part of the factor. Yeah. And she has been an unhealthy vegetarian for most of her adult life and continues to live on sugary foods. So what's your take on that? If she actually didn't get the Parkinson's until her 70s, she's lucky because most of us, and I'm a Parkinson's patient, most of us get it in our 50s. Uh, the while we can work naturally to reduce the inflammation and eat away at the amyloid deposits, which 
are making the disease worse. There is still the death of the substantia nigra, the little black cells that help us to, 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 to make dopamine that connects our, our brains to our bodies. That cannot be compensated for via natural medicine. We can take Mukana Papurans for a while as a source of dopamine, as an uh, external exogenous source of dopamine, and that will help for the very early stages. There comes a point where uh, we need to have medication. Now, luckily for us, most of the Parkinson's medications like saligaline, brom and bromocryptine are wonderful anti-aging and brain-boosting meds. You'll, you, uh, you can read about these in, in any, any book on, on, on brain-boosting. I think Dr. Uh, Ward-Dean co-authored a really good book on brain-boosting that I can't remember the, 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 the name of now, but he talks about how good saligaline is. Saligaline will keep you alive longer. It lengthens lifespan. It improves cognition. It does all sorts of wonderful things. Likewise with bromocryptine. Then we get to the point where we have to shift away from the saligaline and the bromocryptine type medi medications and actually administer the dopamine that the brain is no longer making. Because if not, the patient just stumbles and falls or can't eat. Okay. Wow. I, will, I will preface what I'm about to say by saying that I was diagnosed in 1999 with a slight tremor in the right upper extremity. Mm. By now, I should be dead. What has slowed down the process has been the taking in of the systemic enzymes, which has lowered the inflammation, eaten away at the amyloid deposits. I speculated back in 2000, 2001, that there had to be a fibrosis component to Parkinson's. I was told back then by the experts that you're crazy. You're making this stuff up. Two years ago, universally event, Adelaide proved that I was right. So, Adelaide or Manchester? I think it was Adelaide. Pretty sure it was Adelaide. So, uh, by now, I should be dead. I still only have a minor tremor in my right upper extremity. The only time it bothers me is when I go to eat soup. It just kind of spills off the spoon, so I use my left hand. I was developing a shuffling gait between the use of the enzymes and a thing called a sand dune, which I had no idea how or why it works. It just does. It's an exercise made out of, it's an exercise device. It's a big foam block of memory foam that you stand on and practice walking on. I have no idea how it works because it can't make dopamine, but it reduces the symptoms of Parkinson's. If you do push-ups on it with your fingers, put it on, on a chair or a sofa, kind of lean into it, do push-ups with, with your fingers, kind of grab it with your, with your fingers, reduces the tremor in the extremities. Right. No idea how it works, but it does. It's called the sand dune. S-A-N-D-U-N-E, sand dune. So between the sand dune and the, bromo, and the saligaline or the bromocryptine and small doses of uh, dopamine when needed, I've been fine, but you can't address Parkinson's completely from the natural side because there is no substitute for dopamine aside from the mukana, and that only works for a while. 
Do you still take all these? Do you still have the same regime? You do the exercise on the sand dune device? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple of times a week when I remember. I have tested it to see how far I can go without doing it. Yes. And still maintain the progress. And I've gotten to two months. Okay. And then you've had to start up again. So our questions come in from Charlotte Garland. Um, she's asked, or she's, um, yes, she's uh, starting with a statement how many Parkinson um, sufferers have benefited from cannabis and CBD oil with higher levels of THC than is allowed legally here in the Dallas, Texas area. Um, have you seen benefit from cannabis for Parkinson's? No, and I will tell you that I will never go there. I am an enemy of cannabis, and I'll tell you why. Yes. Cannabis shrinks brains and lowers IQ. Don't we have enough stuff to shrink brains and lower IQ? From fluoride to uh, uh, cell phones to God knows what. Uh, soy. Soy was shown in the, in the uh, uh, Hawaiian's Men's Health Survey, which is a study that started in, with, what, 9,000 or 21,000 men back in 1973, and it's still ongoing with the survivors, but in the 1990s, it was definitely stated, soy shrinks brains. Easy. All, those, all the soy eaters had smaller brains than the, than the uh, non-soy eaters. And likewise, all the non-coffee drinkers had smaller brains than the coffee drinkers. But THC has been known. You're saying coffee, coffee grows your brain. Coffee, sorry? Coffee, dr coffee drinkers had larger brains. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And better and, and better brain circulation. <laughs> this stuff is better than ginkgo for increasing brain circulation. And you know, if you've ever been to Hawaii, they don't drink American style coffee. The hamakua, the Kona coffee that they drink is equal to an espresso, but they drink it in beer mugs. I mean, they have, they if you, if you brought a pint beer mug from the UK and brought it to Honolulu, they'd fill it with hamakua, and they'd be very happy to, you know, serve serve you. That's that's about the size of the of the coffee mugs that they have in Hawaii. So wow. they're not drinking the the you know junior grade stuff. They're <laughs> drinking the high level stuff. Now back to the back to the THC. Mm. THC never leaves a brain. If you ask a pathologist what he finds in the brains of someone who frequents marijuana. The brain is brown, the cerebral spinal fluid is brown, the meningeal layers are brown. You can take a section of the meningeal layers, dry it, roll it, and smoke it and get high. That's how much THC is still left in the brain. It never metabolizes out. Never. So all the potheads that I used to know back in the 60s and 70s, they're now in their 60s and 70s now, and they still have brown brains from whatever they did back then. And now we're having the resurgence, or all the old hippies of my generation are now all for legalizing pot. They're smoking it all over again. They're just, they're, they're, they're speeding themselves in, into Alzheimer's. There's a new study that purported to show that THC ate away the amyloid deposits that cause Alzheimer's. Crock of horseshit, because there's nothing in THC that is enzymatic. THC is not an enzyme. THC can have no enzymatic action. It takes an enzyme to eat a protein. So 
a lot of the studies that we're seeing, the pro-pot movement is supposed to be a grassroots movement. It's actually a corporate movement, which is one of the reasons why I'm so against it, because we have the corporations now who, like Seagram's, Seagram's has 21 different patents and trademarks on marijuana cigarettes and pot this and pot that. Then you've got all of the states and the local communities who want to tax the hell out of it because that's the way that they will make extra income. Like Colorado. Colorado is, is, is now swimming in tax money from all the old California hippies who moved there who are now smoking pot again. So you've got the governments and you've got the corporations together. That's called fascism. And they're making believe like they're a grassroots movement and all this junk science is coming out reporting to show that marijuana cures asthma, marijuana will cure cancer, marijuana cures Alzheimer's, crock of horseshit. And as soon as it's legalized everywhere in the States, you'll see all those studies disappear. Oh, we were mistaken. We're sorry, but now pot's legal, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> They're going to smile at you and rake in the tax money and rake in the profits. Gosh. Well, I do know um, some people that do take um, cannabis oil for treating uh, pain as well, I think it is. And, um, it works very well, especially on cancer patients. Yes. I wish, that, I wish that, that pot would have been legal in Arizona while my dad was dying. My dad died of prostate cancer, which had gone everywhere. And it would have been great mm. to get him on some cannabis oil, give him a few reefers. But he was at the end of his life. I didn't have to worry about brain sh shrinkage with him. No. Like, I didn't have to worry about him getting hooked on, on opiates. Mm. He, he was gone. Mm. So, you know, there, there comes a point where you've got very few options. You use the best ones medicinally in a very wise manner. But... Most of the people smoking marijuana now are not the kids. The kids don't want to smoke pot. And the, the, in, in, in Colorado, it's the teenagers who are, don't want to touch it. It's the old guys like me who are smoking it all. Hey, man, I'm a teenager again. Yep. You know, so we're, we've got this, this patient population that's already going into mental and cognitive decline, whose brains are already shrinking. Why make it worse? Mm. Okay, so people who, uh, okay, um, uh, Carmela Walker is asking, uh, what about hold hemp seed oil and products made from hold hemp seed oil? Don't know enough about it to say. Okay, okay. If people are um, taking the um, CBD, will their cognitive function diminish? One would assume so, wouldn't they? I believe they will, yes. Over time, they'll also have their, 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 their personalities change. One of the things that happens with, with the THC is something called toxic psychosis. The best example was a fellow that I used to know back in South Carolina. He was a martial artist, very gifted martial artist. Yes. Smoked 21 joints a day. He smoked as many joints as other guys smoked cigarettes. Mm. He had a line into the best pot in Spartanburg County. Mm. And... I only saw his true personality once when his wife had gotten on him and for a week he hadn't spoke a single one and he was going crazy. But that was his true personality. I only saw it once and then I never saw it again. 
So in seven years of knowing this fellow, I only saw his real self once. I noticed that my generation was really big on pot smoking. Everybody smoked pot, everywhere. I'll, I'll tell you a story of how I was introduced to pot in a second. But uh, when you go into toxic psychosis and your personality changes, the folks around you can tell that you're different, but you have no clue. You don't realize, you know, you, you go off and you audition for a pornographic movie or something. You know, when, 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 when you're an altar boy, I mean, you, you would have never done that. But now you, it, it, it's almost like, like, like you're possessed with an entirely different personality. And that's one of the dangers from, from THC that no one speaks to is toxic psychosis. So think of all those old hippies in Colorado. They burned half their brains out when they were young hippies. Now they've, then they became the greedy yuppies of the 80s and 90s. And now they feel that they have to re restore their, their, their teenagehood. So they're smoking pot again in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. And not only are they having cognitive decline, but they're having personality changes, and they don't know that they're having personality changes. You know, I hope that, that both husbands and wives are smoking this stuff. That way, the wife won't notice when the guy's personality changes. They'll just, you know, all kind of roll with it together. But what happens to everyone else around you? What happens to your kids who aren't smoking this stuff? What happens to your coworkers? What happens to all the other folks who say, boy, that's a different so-and-so than, than he's, he's, he's behaving really weird. From, from one, those who go into toxic psychosis, and it's, it's an allergic reaction, an allergic inflammatory reaction in the brain. One joint can make toxic psychosis last for three days. So what happens when you smoke it repeatedly, nonstop, one day after another? You never get back into your own personality. So your friend that was a martial art a martial arts expert. What did you see in him when he stopped smoking for a week? He was a very, very low key, very nice, very kind fellow. He wanted to be the big, gruff, tough, in your face, you know, type of a cross between a biker and Bruce Lee is what he wanted to be. And that's roughly what he was on the marijuana. So he, 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 he attained the personality he wanted when he smoked, but he couldn't do it without the pop. Gosh, okay, so he needed it as a prop. Yeah. It, 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 he used it as, as others use alcohol to change their, their perceptions. Okay, okay. Guess what, William? We haven't talked about chronic fatigue much, have we? <laughs> And that was, there was, there was, I was just looking through the list now, and that's one thing we haven't touched on. So um, I guess that's, uh, that's part of the same. Uh, it's got yes, the, yes there's, there's an inflammatory process. There are two things that cause chronic fatigue. First one is very, very common, but doctors don't know to, to test for it, is chronic mononucleosis. Most of us get mononucleosis somewhere in our early teen years. About 50% of the population gets mono, and it's misdiagnosed as a cold or the flu. We get over it in a couple of weeks, we don't think about it. Mm. But mononucleosis is recurrent. Whenever our 
immune system takes a dip, the mono tends to come back. The sore throat and the brain swelling and the fall in the number of mitochondria in the voluntary muscle cells. Now, this is the most important part. This is where the tiredness comes from. 80% of the adenosine triphosphate that we make to power our, ourselves, that's the blood sugar that runs everything in our bodies, mm. is made in the voluntary muscles, okay? the muscles that we use to work with. Mm. Excuse me. In mononucleosis, the virus kills off most of those mitochondria so that instead of having hundreds of them per muscle cell, we have two or three. Just enough to keep the muscle cell alive, not enough to make the extra ATP to keep us alive. So that's where the fatigue comes from. The, the brain fog and the headache and whatever comes from the minor encephalitis that always accompanies mononucleosis. The second cause, and this was the most radical one, and again, when I published my book on this, my first book, I talked about this, and people told me, I, the doctors told me I was crazy. I'm so crazy now. Back in the late 90s, I was in communication through the Townsend Newsletter for Doctors, a very, very famous newsletter now. Back then, it was just a little, you know, like mimeograph sheets, and we all kind of talked to each other before the days of, of, of the Internet. And... We, were, we all had chronic fatigue, and we were all trying to figure out what it was. There was a very brilliant pathologist up in Seattle who figured it out. I don't remember the fellow's name. I really need to give him credit. He took a look at all the symptoms, 32 to 36 symptoms, of post-polio syndrome, and they matched up exactly with the 32 to 36 symptoms of chronic fatigue. And he surmised that we all got it from the live polio vaccine that we all got as kids. The initial polio vaccine, the Sabin vaccine, was a dead vaccine. But the vaccine that the governments all changed to, for whatever reasons they did, the one that's oral, the one that most kids got squirted in their mouths back when they were in second grade in my generation, was the live Sabin vaccine. And that's still the preferred vaccine for all governments everywhere, is the live Sabin vac vaccine. So we know that if a person gets polio, 30 years down the road, they're going to get post-polio syndrome when their immune systems crash, when they get tired, when they get weak. Why do we think that giving a child a live polio virus is not going to give him post-polio syndrome 30 years down the road? And that's what this pathologist said was happening. Because if we took the titers, if we did blood tests and measured for the antibodies for polio, they were through the roof on all of us because we had post-polio syndrome. Now, some of us had the dual whammy, like me, I was lucky. I had both Epstein-Barr virus, which is mononucleosis, had levels so high they could not be read, and post-polio syndrome. So if we go back again it, with the way we fight it, is we have to cut back on the inflammation. First thing that happens is the brain swells. This is where the brain fog and the headache comes from. So the spinal pain comes from up and down from the neck down to your spine. And so we, we relieve the inflammation. Then we have to fight the virus. We can do that various ways. We can use stabilized oxygen drops. The best way I can think of is by IV ozone treatments fastest way, or IV peroxide, 
And we, we, touched on, we touched on ozone in the previous summer, actually. Yes. Um, <laughs> Oxygen kills. You know, and this is this is where I I I, I have to touch on the antioxidant theory of yes. disease and aging. Okay. Whenever you want to prove that a theory is not correct, you take it to its extreme. If the antioxidant theory of disease and aging were right, we could wrap our we could wrap our lips around a tailpipe of a car, turn it on, breathe in deeply, and we'd be healthy. Because carbon monoxide is the strongest antioxidant. Ridiculous, right? Mm, mm. Yet we can inject ozone and peroxide, which are really super strong oxidative agents, and we fight cancer. We kill viruses. We kill bacteria. Mm. We increase oxygenation of the brain and the heart. We benefit the human body. So whenever you have a proposition, always take it to its extreme and see which one makes sense. Yes. So if we kill the or fight off the virus, you never quite kill a virus. Every virus we've ever been exposed to is sleeping happily away by the anterior horn cells of our spinal cords, waiting for the day when our immune system tanks and they can come back out to play. Every flu virus, every virus germ you've ever gotten, mononucleosis, uh, uh, oh, uh, herbs, no, not, uh, not herbs palsy. Uh, what's, whatever. Pam's palsy, the, the, the facial palsy. And they're just sitting there waiting because we don't really kill off viruses. We singe them or we lower their, 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 their uh, taking over of our virus. A virus conquers us by latching onto our DNA and replicating itself. The second a virus latches onto our DNA, that DNA is no longer ours, it's theirs. Imagine an hourglass. If most of the sand belonged to the virus, you're dead. <laughs> Because there's very little sand left for you. Okay. So if we lower our viral rate by putting in enzymes to eat away at this foreign body called, this, this foreign protein body called a virus, and then we put in the oxygen, either through IV ozone, IV peroxide, or stabilized oxygen drops that we can put in our drinks and eat, then we singe the viruses, which means we've somehow damage their exterior protein coating so they can't latch onto our DNA. They can't replicate. They can't replicate. They begin to die off and our viral load goes down. Hmm. We've done this with HIV patients. We've, we've done this with all manner of viral diseases and it works. So you've got an ozone machine yourself, do you? Oh, two, two of them, actually, yes. Yes, one of them comes from China. It's good. <laughs> Incidentally, I guess. Now, um, Joe Strothman has asked a question. Uh, the question, I think she asked it a little bit earlier on. She was asking, um, is this the only, de uh, is this only the THC or are there other cannabinoids, uh, cannabinoids that have the same effects? I'm not sure what she's... I don't know enough about it to say. Okay, okay. If, if you go on Amazon, look for a book by Dr... Nihas or Nihans. I think the fellow was, was an American Egyptian, so it might be Nihas or Lebanese. 
uh, called Marijuana, the Deceptive Weed. It was published in 1973, but to this date, it is still the most authoritative look by an MD, PhD uh, pharmacologist on the effects of marijuana. And you will find stuff in there that no one talks about now anymore. Things that need to be talked about. Now, uh, Charlotte Garland has asked a question. I'll, um, Charlotte, I'll, I'll, um, I won't mention who. It is this, this person that you know. The person that Charlotte knows has had a traumatic brain injury and whiplash, whiplashed neck that has caused this person disequilibrium. Is now going on permanent disability. Um, their brain feels like it is always looking for balance. Uh, yeah, looking for balance, like it's in jello. The doctors cannot pinpoint how to help this person. Um, they found B12 to be very beneficial, but are now at a standstill. And this person believes that the B12 has helped the inflammation, but is there anything that you can suggest? Um, if the B12 has helped, then it's the oxygen the extra oxygen that the B12 has supplied. And what we've seen with the traumatic brain injuries coming from the Iraq-Afghan war is that if you treat them with, uh, uh, oh, what is that, uh, the hyperbarometric oxygen therapy, the, where you lock them into a, a, the same thing that the divers use. Oh, the barrow... I don't know the term either, but so you increase the oxygen pressure as you would have if you were underwater and you keep them in there for hours at a, at a, at a time and do this consecutively, it greatly improves balance. It greatly improves cognition. It, it, it takes the fuzziness and the fogginess out of, out of the thinking and over the course of months or even years, it cures the condition. The VA in the U.S. stopped doing that <clears throat> during the Obama administration because it was costing too much. And now, uh, due to the clamor from the doctors and the veterans who were getting successfully treated with it, yes, they're bringing it back. Right, um, uh, hy 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 hyperbaric oxygen. Hyperbaric oxygen. That's, that's yes, you've just beaten me to it. I was trying to yeah, go sorry. for gold, yeah. and you've, you've grabbed the medal for me. Thank, thanks. I think that happened last time as well. Uh, your carbon walker, thank you for that. Your hypobaric chamber. Yes. Now, is it important to have the whole body in this low pressure, or can you have a mask perhaps? That, that I don't know. I don't know if, if, if you can infuse enough oxygen because the idea is to increase the atmospheric pressure to the point where you're basically forcing the oxygen into the cells. Okay. And you're in, you're, you're in a very oxygen-pure environment. Give you an example of what an oxygen-pure environment can do. Last, um, I, was, I was on a plane from Amsterdam to Mumbai for 10 hours. The fellow across the aisle in one seat back from me sneezed and coughed the entire 10 hours of that flight. I had to give seven or eight lectures to physicians in India over the course of two weeks, and I caught bronchitis. And I had that case of bronchitis from the 29th of August till the 10th of December. The only thing that got rid of it, I'd gone through every natural thing I could think of, three courses of antibiotics, 
Iviozone. I'd, I'd done every, no, 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 excuse me. I had not done the, the Iviozone yet. I had to give another lecture at the Paris Hotel in Las Vegas. Now, the Paris is different from all the other hotels. If you've ever been there, there's no smoke in the casino. They pump in oxygen to the entire hotel because they figured out that if your brain is sharper, you gamble better, you spend more money. You spend more time at the gambling table if your brain is sharper than if you've got this, this cloud of cigarette smoke around you. And you, you, you start working out. So I gave a lecture. I stayed there for three days, plus I got IV ozone therapy. At the same time, I got two inf in infusions while I was there. All that combination of ozone killed that virus that I'd had for all those months. But it was the only thing that killed it. So oxygen kills viruses. Oxygen kills bacteria. Oxygen kills the nasty stuff and feeds the good stuff because every germ, just about, just like all 99% of cancers are anaerobic and they actually dissolve in strong oxygen. Then likewise, viruses and bacteria are anaerobic. And if you introduce a very strong oxygen, you will singe them, you will burn them. If someone has lung cancer, can they have, can they breathe pure oxygen or close to, you know, more pure oxygen and it have would, benefit from that? Probably yes. You've got to filter it through olive oil so that it isn't too harsh, caustic on the lungs. Yes. One of the things that, that we do at, at my house whenever someone catches a cold or bronchitis is we've got the ozone generator. It's hooked up to these two little bottles. One of them has olive oil in it. The other one is just empty. And the ozone, the, ozone, the ozonated oxygen goes into the olive oil, picks up an emollient, then goes into the other chamber, then comes into the mask. And we kill off the viruses in the lungs and the bacteria in the lungs in that, in that way. It would be better to inject it because that way it gets into the inside tissues and all throughout via the circulation. A hundred years ago for inoperable brain cancer, they would drill two holes in your skull. Mm. One hole they'd put in a catheter, they would inject 30% peroxide into it. The other hole was hooked up via a tube to a, a, a vacuum machine. They'd suck the peroxide out and what came out was black because it would be dissolving the tumor. And not only was it effective in dissolving the tumor, but, you know, tumors grow tendrils. Well, you just inject more ozone and it gets into all the tendrils as well. So it would inject in the ozone, suck out the used, uh, excuse me, inject in the peroxide, suck out the dissolved tumor. And that was actually banned because it worked too well. America has always had making money in medicine being more important than treating patients. Treating cancer in America is 52% of the American medical industry's income. Anything you do in this country to try to get rid of cancer will cause you to be arrested, killed. We have 70 doctors now, 70 alternative and natural doctors in the U.S. who have been killed accidentally, on purpose, and crossfires, whatever, 
outrightly assassinated because they were somehow connected with anti-cancer therapy that was working. And that would have cost that 52% their income. God, it's scary. It's criminal. Mm. And I hope the karma from that hits them and bites them in the ass so damn hard, so damn fast, but not fast enough for my liking. Well, let's hope there's a change. Let's hope it happens in our lifetime. With people Amen. like with people like you, it's you know it's going to speed up the process. So thank you so much for giving us this uh, talk on inflammation and how we can combat it. And little little suggestions as well. Anyone can buy a little ozone generator, bubble it through some olive oil, make it so you can breathe in. That's quite a quite a novel um, novel idea, really. I, I've got an ozone machine myself. It's, it's broken, but I'm rebuilding it, making it better, stronger, faster. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, now um, we're going to be coming to visit. Um, um, we, uh, Spooky's going to have four conferences in America. We, we've um, for details of where we uh, where we're going. You can see on our Spooky Two dot uh, Spooky Two dash dot com website. You, um, Click on blog, and uh, you can see there's the four venues there. There's New York and Orlando and Los Angeles, and um, no, we are, we are, um, we're really looking forward to it. We're leaving. We're going to arrive next week. Now, I don't think we'll be coming around your side of town, unfortunately. Will well, you? if you're ever in, in Texas, please come to visit. I will warn you, though, if you want to see real America, don't go to where you're going. Those places are very nasty, very hostile, very... We're very filled with criminals, especially back east in New York. Every everybody's like 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 really annoying, and they're gonna get on your nerves and stuff. If you want to see real America? Go to the South and go to the Rocky Mountain states, and you'll meet the nicest, kindest, most uh, sweetest folks. Very unlike the Northeast. Very unlike California, which I'd love to see fall in the ocean. You know, the, 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 this is real America in the Rocky Mountain states, the central states, and the south. A lot of the spooky friends come from these places which you say everybody's like this and everybody's like this. We're finding that, like everywhere, it doesn't matter where, which, where the country is or where the people are like, there's always those solid gold people. And we've had yes. so, many, so many people that just give, 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 give their time, give efforts, helping others, no, not doing it for thanks to themselves. And we're looking forward to meeting them because, of course, we've communicated with them for such a long time. So this is our chance. And, okay, you know, it's Enjoy a long way. Trip. I beg your pardon? Have a great trip. Enjoy oh, your lectures. Oh, we will. We, we will. We're um, you're having... Um, yeah, each conference, we're hoping each conference is packed. We're hoping, well, we know that each conference is going to be a bucket load of fun. And uh, we'll be bringing with us a new accessory. It's not actually an accessory, it's a device. And it's not just a device either. But we'll be bringing a little thing along with us to show. And it's, it's right up there with Ozone, I tell you what, it's, it's, it's good. I'd love to see it. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's good. So um, we'll be bringing, um, bringing it to show everybody at each of the conferences. So if you go to these conferences, you'll be the first to see. Um, now, um, Elizabeth uh, Manzouk, 
I hope I've said your surname correctly, Elizabeth. Um, she's asking a question, William, do you drink the ozonated oil? The ozonated oil once it's been bubbling. You can, yes, you can. Uh, and, and, and many folks ac actually do that after a spell in, the, in, in that little jar yes. where the ozone pa passes through. They just pour the oil into a jar that they could eat it. Or, you know, you, you can shoot it straight up. You can put it, over, put it over your salads or whatever, and they'll, they'll just pour in more oil into the part that gets connected up to the face mask. Yes. And, of course, olive oil is so incredibly good for you. Does it change the taste much? Because I know that once a, it's through. A bit but it, 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 it's not a bad change. It's it, just, just a tad bit. Okay, okay. It's always a bite to ozone. And uh, Monique Abrunios is asking, what enzymes would you recommend for um, this uh, inflammation side? Well, I have to brag. <laughs> I have endorsed different enzyme products in the past. Yeah. Uh, based on my knowing enzymes based on my studies in Germany, based on my work here in the States, the zymescence that, that, that I helped develop is the world's most potent systemic enzyme. I have to tell folks not to read labels. You can't compare the action of a systemic enzyme by reading the enzymatic action on the label. You actually have to try it. Okay. And take, dose it up to the point where you, you, you begin to feel it working. So if one tablet three times a day doesn't help, Try two tablets and three tablets and whatever. And then, after you've done that for a month or two, try another product and okay. see how that works. Save my zymescence for last, and you don't have to take more than one or two capsules three times a day. Okay. And um, now, uh, Carmen Walker's asked a late question. Um, she's saying, she's asking the question, without spending much money, what would you... Uh, what is uh, best for home use, ozone machine, for a family, just a general? Well, I, I'm not up on what machines or what. I've got one to ozonate water, which I bought straight from China through Amazon. And I've got the plasma fire machine, which I got from Canada 12, 15 years ago, which is still working for me, so I'm, I'm still using it. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what's out there, so I will, I will, I will, I will refer that question back to you. Okay, well, I, the one I bought was, uh, yes, that was made in China. It, um, it did break, and I'm busy rebuilding it, but I'm, I'm adding every, every component I'm putting in, I'm making it about four times larger than it's supposed to. And it's got a little stainless steel ozone tube. It's got a, a um, plasma tube inside there, which actually creates the plasma, which creates the ozone. And um, it may get, it may overheat, it may melt the plastic housing, but it's that's the fun side of you know of experiments, isn't it? Things exactly. might explode, and as long as you've got legs to run away, <laughs> no problem. Okay, if well, it explodes, you'll 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 have healthy stuff flying all over the place. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Well, I found that the the amount of ozone it produced just kept on declining more and more until. To a, you know, you'd bubble for half an hour and I couldn't taste anything in the water because that's how yeah. I normally um, took it, uh, Carmen. I'd, I'd normally just bubble it through what is just basically an aquarium bubbler mm -hmm. and then um, drinking it. So, um, yeah, and, and I found actually when I was doing this, at that time I was on a diet and my weight plummeted quite quickly. It, it seemed to sort of increase my overall energy levels and therefore, you know, my... Expenditure increased and you put in a free radical of oxygen. 
So you increase your tissue oxygenation, which increases your metabolic rate. That all makes sense. Okay. Are you for, the more oxygen, the more burning. I was just about to say that, actually. <laughs> well, yes, that's okay. Well, thank you. That's, that's, um, that's a scientific reason why. I, I, like, I like the other way. <laughs> It just works, and it did. And it was cheap. It was a little, you know, cheap little unit. Maybe I've just got a, a um, one that happened to fail early and, and stuff. But I was, you know, I found I saw the benefits, which is why I'm sort of persevering and making it a little bit more powerful, a lot more powerful, in fact. So thank you so much for your time, um, Dr. William Wong. Take your time on. Hey, let's say we do a third time and we focus a third time on these saber tooth tigers. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time once again. And thank you, viewers, for watching this, um, this uh, SAMA in, uh, interview. Um, I look forward to meeting many of you during our um, trip, our, um, our journey through America. Now, we're not, I believe, going to the southern states, but you've painted a pretty picture of the southern states, William, so we've got to make it a, a thing. Come visit Colorado. Colorado. Visit, uh, Atlanta. Oh, uh, you're going to Atlanta. Oh, great. So you are going to a southern state. Yeah, we're going to Atlanta. Good, good, good. It's our second... I've got um, a little... It's real southern hospitality. Well, this, okay, well, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Something to really look forward to. We're looking forward to all of them. Uh, some of them, you know, some people have... Like, I've got a vision of New York, and New York is, like, big. Huge. And I'm from a tiny country. And, and so a city of a million to me is huge. And okay, now I'm in Nanjing and that's kind of, you know, bigger. But New York, it's just, uh. so it's a little bit scary. So be, be gentle with me, you New Yorkers. But we're really looking forward to it because we know that there's fantastic people there. So, you know, the place, you know, we're really looking forward to it terrifically. I'm an old Brooklyn boy. The only thing I miss about New York or pastrami sandwiches. That's the only thing I miss. Pastrami. What's a pastrami? Oh, that's pastrami. Uh, it's it, it, uh, uh, like like a Jewish corned beef. Okay. With 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 spices on the outside, served on rye bread with mustard. And there's no place in the country that makes a, as good a pastrami sandwich as New York City. If you can make the make it to Katz's Deli on Third Avenue in Manhattan. I highly recommend it as a cultural and culinary experience. Are you far from any of those venues I've mentioned, like Atlanta? How far are you from there? Oh, uh, uh, we're about a thousand miles, a uh, thousand miles west. Okay. The, the, the U.S. from east coast to west coast is 3,000 miles across. For example, it's a four-hour flight four-hour flight from Atlanta to Dallas. Yes. And then it's a two-hour flight from Dallas to Phoenix. And then it's another hour and change from Phoenix to Los Angeles. Uh, okay, so it's not just a, a short jump. Okay, I've got, actually, I've got the, um, the four cities, Orlando, Atlanta, Los Angeles, and New York. Okay. Florida doesn't count as a southern state. I beg your pardon? Florida does not count as a southern state. Okay. Not, not anymore. It's physically in the, in the south, but it's too full of northeasterners to be a southern state. I, can't, oh. and well, I say that as an old New York Brooklyn boy. 
Yeah. I can see there's some rivalry almost here. Is it, is it yes, like there is. Oh, gosh, yes. Yes. Of course. We're still fighting the Civil War. Why not? <laughs> okay. <well. laughs> okay. I wasn't aware of any of this. <laughs> there, there, there are lots of, of, of undercurrents. You can actually divide the U.S. into either five different countries or seven different countries, depending on how you want to divvy it up. And his, historians have already written books about that, and which is why it's a difficult country to, to, to govern because you have all these regional differences, and we hate each other. Really? Yeah. Can't stand each other. You've got to celebrate, celebrate, celebrate differences. To a point. To a point, and then... And then tolerance kicks in. Well, yeah, to, again, to a point. You know, the, the least tolerant people that I have met are New Yorkers. The, I have seen much less racial animosity in the Deep South, and I've lived in the Deep South, and I've, I've lived in, in the Southwest for the majority of my life. But the worst racial animosity I've ever seen was in New York City. The racists hate each other with a passion. And they're verbal about it. They make no bones about it, even in these politically correct days. I never saw that level of racial animosity in South Carolina or in Georgia or in Arizona or here in Texas. Texas is one of the biggest melting pots in the world. We've got physicians from India in, 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 in the central cities between Dallas and Fort, and Fort Worth, one of the biggest Indian colonies here. We've got folks from the, the West Indies, black folks. We've got Southern black folks who moved here uh, during uh, 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 the Civil War. We've got Mexican folks. We've got now Hispanics from all of the, all of the Caribbean. This is a huge melting pot. Mm. And I say that because I've, the only two places I don't have DNA from are Aborigine DNA from Australia, and I don't have any, any uh, Indian subcontinent DNA, but I've got DNA from everywhere else. I'm, I'm 8% Welsh, for God's sakes. Who would ever have thought? You know, uh, I, I've got African DNA. I've uh, uh, specifically Bantu and Yoruba DNA. Uh, so I'm a mutt. I'm typical of a good many of the folks in Texas. We're all mutts. I'm a bigger mutt than most of them. But we don't have the racial animosity that you see up in the North. The North is always complaining about the South being, being racially motivated, not anywhere near as much as, as the North. If you think back to West Side Story, it was written back in the 60s. It was about a white Italian-Irish gang versus a Puerto Rican gang. Uh, it's only gotten worse since then. Gosh. Hey, do you do deals? I'm sorry? Do you do deals? <laughs> deals? I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. Oh. <laughs> I don't have any Italian DNA, I don't think. I've got Southern That's European just... DNA. <laughs> but... Okay, see how, well, I'll swing it your way. Charlotte Garland, she's a woman I've never met who I will be meeting um, in Atlanta. Um, she's been 
supporting me in virtually all of these seminars. She's the one that sort of says the video is good and it sounds good and gives me questions and keeps things flowing. Now, she lives in Dallas. She's actually your neighbor. Oh, wonderful. If you, if you tap on the window, she'll hear you and tap back. <laughs> She's standing at your door now. Now, she is... Okay. I'm, she, I'm, Mineral she's World saying, is about 90 miles west of Dallas. She's saying, this is what she says. This is showing, this is typical of many of the spooky people. <laughs> she's explaining it's two and a half hours from Dallas to Atlanta. That'll be from plane or very fast running, I suppose. But they are driving from Dallas to Atlanta. It's taking 12 hours, which you know, yep. is quite a long way. And then she says, he, which it's not going to be me, is it, William, when you think about it? He, uh, you... Yep. can come with, him, with us. So well, too, my spinal stenosis won't let me. I can't sit for that long. Oh, oh okay. That's oh, she's, she's got a back seat so you can lie down. <laughs> no, thank you. Well, look, that's there. Well, you, know, you know where we are, and I'll tell you where it is. Um, Atlanta is on June the 19th, okay? And so I'll be looking for... Uh, Dr. William Wong, uh, and if you are there, I tell you what, I'll pull out all the stops, I'll buy you a, a mug of coffee. How's that? Black, strong. Catch a ride and come back with her. Sorry? Catch a ride and come back with her. <laughs> We'd love to. Look she's the, the opposite way. Well, she's, this, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. the sort of person you do want to spend a lot of time with. She is really, really nice. And, uh, right, she's saying that uh, she was just in Mineral Wells a couple of weeks ago, and they're in uh, Plano, right next to Dallas. Plano, yes, okay. And look, yep. she's saying she says our door is open to you, John. So this is the this is the the generous nature of these beautiful people. They live in Dallas and live and live in Los Angeles, Orlando, uh, New York, and basically every other city in the world. You know, amongst anywhere, there's fantastic people. We're going to meet them. <laughs> we went on a European tour. Gosh, it was almost a year ago now. Amazing. Italy, Spain, France. It was it's like um, all these things, you know, when you have these preconceptions of these countries and you go there. And it's like that, but a thousand times better. <laughs> and when I was going through Italy and I was looking, I, I, I got overwhelmed looking through the architecture, the mm. art, the, the culture, everything. I, I truly got overwhelmed. And then we had the, um, the spooky family looking after us. And that overwhelmed us too, the, the hospitality. Just, just so generous, so... Oh. <laughs> and so, yeah, we're doing it again. We're doing it to America, and then we'll be going somewhere else after that, and goodness knows where that's going to be. Hey, I want to go to South Africa because you've got... Trevor down there, and he got a little bit unhappy that we're not going to see him this time around. Trevor's another, he's a, um, he, he's a spooky family member who's been very close to us. So We've got, got a good many customers in South Africa. You say that we're customers, they're not customers, they're family members. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. Customers makes it sound like we're you know, a big corporation. <laughs> yeah. No, we want to meet as many people as we can because... We learn from these people. Ideas they have, we, um, we apply. And it, it may be a product, it might be, just, it might be principles, you know, mindsets. 
with, with discussions I have on SAMA, I learn a lot from them. With the discussion we've had today, I've learned a lot from. And um, I've got people that are suffering from this chronic inflammation and suffering from the, um, the effects this has had on their bodies. And in particular, um, the um, uterine fibrosis. And so this is why I'm so interested in learning. It's from an excess of oestrogen. It's a hormonal thing. And you've said foods which are high in oestrogen, so they can be avoided. And that's a no-cost thing. Um, I like solutions where I don't have to go and buy things. I like solutions where I can do things. Or if I do have to buy something, it's something which is very low cost and something which I've got control over rather than a medicine and a tablet where the other people have got control over. <laughs> and a lot of things with zero side effects. Well, the side effects is, um, you know, living a more, a longer, more productive life. I like that kind of side effect. That's, that's got a big um, plus for too. I, I've always liked your positive energy. Um, you know, when we, Thank you. It was, but it's been kind of hard to maintain, but I'm all right. <laughs> we, I'm not, I'm not sure where you keep your walker. It must be out of the, uh, the view of the it's, camera. It, it, it's a, it's out of sight, but you can see my cane. Just right, right back there. Every now and then I, I tweak myself, you know, <laughs> I shouldn't be walking. Really? I should have been in a wheelchair years ago. Wow. The spinal stenosis. I have five let's see what i can remember five cervical fractures so five neck fractures an unhealed fracture at the 10th thoracic vertebra which has crushed and basically exploded the body oh uh, that's that 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 never came back together i've got three lumbar herniated discs spina bifida occultus spondylolisthesis and that's just the stuff i can remember <coughs> in in my spine Yes. Throw the Parkinson's in from 1999. I'm lucky I'm still lifting weights. I was squatting 475 up until I was 55. That was eight years ago. So 475 pounds. Yeah. Wow. Since then, I've dropped down. I can only squat in, in, the, in, the, in the 230s, 270s now. Gosh. But I should technically be in a wheelchair. Yeah. I should not be squatting. I should not be exercising. Yeah. I shouldn't be. I was. I was working with the goats today, tearing down old, old fencing. Yeah. I shouldn't be doing any of that. Yeah. So it's being the enzymes that have eaten away at the fibrosis of the spinal stenosis mm. that have lowered the inflammation to lower how fast the spinal stenosis grows. Yes. That have kept me up and and running and. I credit everything to the enzymes. Yes, well, that's remarkable. And you're a living testament to this too. You're not just talk, you're not just talking the talk. No, no. I, you know, it, 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 what, I, I've always hated sales talk, especially in the nutritional industry. There are about three thousand companies in the U.S. nutritional industry. I have had the unfortunate occasion to meet about a thousand of the CEOs and head salesmen of those companies at trade shows and whatever, and they're just as nasty a lot as the folks who own the drug companies. They will lie, they will cheat, they will steal, they will create false uh, studies, they will do anything to sell their wares, and most of it's junk. Some of them uh, uh, could, 
consumer reports a couple of years ago, went through health food store shelves, just bought stuff at, at random, had an assay, and one of the products actually had just ground up house plants in it. Not even herbs, not anything else. Ground up old house plants. Gosh. From God knows where. Yeah. FDA doesn't care because nutritional supplements aren't supposed to work, so when they don't work for real, they're happy about it. it makes the drugs look good. Mm -hmm. So we we do get regulated, but only the companies who actually do something make something that actually work get regulated. Yes, yes. We, we usually have yearly inspections by the FDA in Texas, TDH substitutes for FDA. And they, you know, inspect the plant and they, they look at the raw materials and they, they do all the stuff. D, uh, DEA comes in because the same machines that you use to make Supplements you can use to make drugs, so they want to make sure that we're not making any illegal drugs. We are a highly regulated industry, yet there's still so much thievery and so much deception going on in the industry. If you knew the level of it, it would disgust you. I had no clue. Well, I was on the naturopathic side of things, treating folks. I thought all the nutritional industry was really nifty. Everyone was really great working together to make natural supplements to cure man naturally. <laughs> I couldn't have been any more wrong. Couldn't have been any more. What a naive little twit I was. I couldn't have been any more wrong. Now, you know, you mentioned that you don't like any, any form of advertising. Mm. I've had a question from Elizabeth Manzuk. She's asking, can you just whisper the name of your enzyme product? Zyme Essence. Z-Y-M-E-S-S-E-N-C-E. -S -S -E -E, Zyme Essence. Okay. And only available from us. And by the way, we have been out of stock for the last week. We are, uh, so we will start shipping again, I, I believe, Monday. Okay. And we had a rush that cleaned us out. <laughs> it's, um, is, there, is it zymessence.com? The, the, uh, you, well, you can go to uh, uh, drwongsessentials.com. Okay. D-R-W-O-N-G-S, essentials.com. Great. Okay. That's, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we got that out. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Hey, thanks once again. It's really appreciated. Have you covered everything? Thank you for having you? me on board. Enjoy yeah. your trip. Oh, look. We will. We will. We, we, we're so, so excited. Really looking forward. We've been. We actually planned to go a few months ago, but you know how sometimes things come up. It's timing the event. Well, that happened, and so we had to postpone. Uh, this time we've we've we're, we're definitely going. We've got everything booked, and it's we, we just, you know this doesn't matter what happens now. We're going. <laughs> Be safe. God bless and enjoy your trip. Thank you so much. Thank you. We will absolutely. And um, if you do. If you are there, I will buy that coffee. Yeah, I, I don't, it's just, put it, just saying, just saying, just saying. You know, some, you know, life has got a habit of surprise, and maybe you'll, you think, oh, gosh, you know. I wish, I My wife think. actually has kin about an hour and a half north of that in Spartanburg. Oh. We haven't visited her kin in a while, but I don't actually don't think we, we can get away. We are buried with work. Yes. Thank, thank God. <laughs> thank God. Well, um, it makes it even, you know, a bigger deal that you've put time aside for us today. 
to talk about inflammation and the causes. And so... You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye.